You're listening to That Entertainment Podcast with Andy Leroy, chatting to the artists behind what's on in Adelaide right now. Despite the advancements with community acceptance and marriage equality, the adolescent experience for LGBTQIA people remains a minefield of emotions with the added pressure of remaining hidden until they feel that it's safe to come out. Butterfly Kicks is a play that explores same-sex attraction at that time of life and how everyone's experience is still quite different. I chatted to actor and playwright Jamila Main about the production and the wider topic of inclusion, as well as her motivation to write the play. This is a play that I wrote while I was still studying acting school and it sort of just sprung into my head one weekend and I tossed all my homework aside and just I had to get this story out of me. It was just bursting to be told of I just saw these two girls at this party who locked eyes across a dance floor and sort of had that instant sort of like butterflies in your tummy crush and they're both sort of navigating this overwhelming feeling for each other and then having to deal with the fallout of being openly queer in a country that is still quite homophobic and unkind and unwelcoming towards queer people and to sort of get into their story I thought about my experiences as a queer person and I came out to myself very late sort of like in my early 20s and so I imagined what it might have been like if I had known I was queer at 15, 16 and what would the obstacles I would have faced been and what would the like exciting, joyful, like incredible, life-changing, beautiful, romantic moments, what what might, might they have been and what could have happened for me if I had yeah, confronted that part of myself at a young age. So that's where the story came from. I think I was about 24 when I came out. So I think this is going to resound with me in many different ways when I see it. But um, the the concept I think people have in their minds now compared to, say, when I was in high school, is that queer people have it very easy. You know, they can be out, they can be open, that it, it's all okay now. But I think personally I'm really getting the sense that it really is still quite a struggle in a lot of ways for different people in different ways yeah and that's what I really wanted to show like I wanted to try and write a story that you could set it in like the 70s and it could still feel quite to that time or it could be 2010 or 2020 um, in the 90s that this is problems and obstacles that the queer community have been facing for decades and we're still going through it but now we just think we're a bit more progressive and inclusive and there have been excellent changes and there is safe spaces and more accepting spaces, but there are still a lot of dangers or fears um, or discomfort with being out. How do you go about bringing in that those feelings um, without it becoming overtly political? Yeah, that was a big balance I was really keen to strike correctly Um, I didn't want it to feel like I was bashing the audience over the head with a political message so for me that meant I've got to create a love story and characters that just draw you into their lives and to what they're going through rather than it being political like it will be politicized Um, queer people are just inherently made political by straight people Um, but that it's more about It's just these two girls want to dance together. They want to be able to kiss each other safely in public. Like it's it's a very small thing that they're actually asking for and to focus on their relationship 
rather than a sort of broader political message. I do kind of think that this, you know, also highlights... We hear the term, and it's very easy to use, you know, the term privilege. It's used in a lot of different contexts these days. But, you know, thinking back to my own personal experience again, you know, the things you're saying are the things that I didn't have access to myself. So um, Mm -hmm. I actually, in high school, had two best friends. They were both male. And it wasn't until after high school that we actually came out to each other. All three of us ended up being gay and we gravitated to each other, probably for quite obvious reasons. But we never explored our sexuality in high school. And it wasn't until we were in our 20s that we actually came out. So I suppose with this particular story that you're coming here with with Butterfly Kicks, are the characters in that same kind of space or are they able to explore their feelings at that younger age and really explore what it might have been like? Yeah, the um, sort of protagonist, Miller, is very much coming into this of having never considered they might be queer or a lesbian or bisexual or pansexual or any of these new words they're learning. So they're very much a baby queer sort of figuring out what it means to want to kiss another girl and what other people are going to say about that and then her partner Annabelle is very much like all a part of the queer community has two mums like very much knows what label she is and you know introduces herself with her pronouns and is all over it but she's also surprised by the reality of being queer rather than just like the sort of talk of being queer or like the projected image of yourself you put out as a queer person and sort of like the queer rules and codes and behaviours that we're sort of expected to perform within our own community. But it's very much them trying to figure out how to be together in a school environment, which is an incredibly tense and high stakes sort of environment with a lot of pressure. And I'm very glad to no longer be in high school. Yeah, you mean both, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. I was interested to read that you describe it as a whirlpool of first love, competitive swimming and schoolyard politics. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we ever leave behind that feeling of politics that we experience in the schoolyard or whether it just becomes diluted but still present. Yeah, I think like it changes in different ways. I think like there often can be like office workplaces that can feel a bit high school or like Um, dynamics in workplaces Um, but you know going back and I'm playing Miller and having to think about well what was it like to be 16 and what was it like to be in the schoolyard with you know like the cool group of girls and all these feelings came back and all these like mannerisms and the way I stood changed Hmm. like oh wow there was a lot going on back then that I'm glad you know my body doesn't have to go through now did you find that triggering when you were actually going through the process of writing it no I tried to focus as much as I could on the joy and the good moments because so often queer stories are told you know with tragedy and Hmm. with the really like the struggle really emphasized and it's really important to me that this play is also incredibly funny I think um, our director laughs when we do rehearsals. Excellent, um, good sign. <laughs> yeah, that there's lots of funny moments and moments that break the tension and sort of you've got like the awkwardness of teenagers that you can play with to soften it in places and to really have some beautiful, fun, liberating moments on stage for queer people to enjoy. And I see you're stepping into the lead role with this production. And what kind of things has that brought? 
to the forefront for yourself in doing that? Yeah, we had a last minute casting change and it just made sense with the short time before rehearsal started for me to step in since I, you know, knew the role better than anyone really. Um, and I'm a trained actor as well as being a playwright. So it's been absolutely fantastic, particularly after, you know, having such a hard year with COVID and the shutdown of live performance it's been just thrilling and exciting and just like soul nourishing to get back on stage and to be inside my own work and to be approaching the play as an actor and scrutinizing it from that perspective and that's been really worthwhile actually and i note also that it's actually set in a a coastal town is there a reason you chose a coastal town as opposed to say a regular suburban setting yeah, it's um, the presence of water in the play is really important, I think, to this story. Um, we have scenes where the characters, you know, shower or have swimming races or enter the ocean. And the ocean really has sort of like become this sort of like tethering force in the play. And I grew up in Hallett Cove alongside the beach. And when I was writing it, it just sort of felt like I wasn't setting it in Hallett Cove, but like a further town down the coast that feels a bit more isolated a bit further away from the city where you might not have the queer lingo or be as, you know, up to date and hashtag woke about things. Yeah, it really kind of, I guess, helps as a device, I'm guessing, to really highlight that sense of otherness. Yeah, to have a bit of isolation and to feel a bit different. Now, you are also an advocate for people with disability and Mm. one thing that I've actually noted on Instagram is the extensive guide that you've got around the venue which I think is an awesome addition for inclusivity so that people can be aware of how to access the show and what possible things they need to look out for. Yeah um, so I've got a disability um, which I acquired during my acting training um, and Mm. it sort of really shaped how I approach making my own theatre and becoming aware of how I might be kept out of theatre due to my ability and the accessibility of venues and I don't want anyone to ever have that feeling of not being able to go and see a show particularly one of my shows I want the disabled community to be included and present and for access to be something that is standard and expected rather than seen as an expensive difficult addition that we don't really need to do so creating the access guide was really important to me that I provide key information about how to get to the venue what's happening in the show that might be in conflict with people's access needs and what we can do to make it the most accessible show for as many people as possible so i really hope to see access guides being published for other shows and to be marketed and advertised more often a theater company might have a sort of similar access information page on their website, but they won't be sharing it in the lead up to the show. And we have such poor levels of access that we're going to assume it's not accessible rather than try and hunt in the hope for there might be some access information. So by putting it on Instagram, putting it on Facebook, anyone who's got like a private invite to the show has been sent the access guide just to try and get it out there to the people who need that information. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant move. And the thing that I really loved about the recent Fringe Festival, for example, was we're really starting to see some innovations now for inclusivity. And part of that is what you're doing as well with the recorded version of the play and also the live stream, which I think really is just a no-brainer, you know, when it comes down to it, to put a couple of cameras there and allow people in. Yeah, yeah. And I think there sometimes is a fear that if you 
give the live stream option, then people won't come in person. But I found every time I watched a live streamed or a digital recording during COVID, I was just desperate to be in the theatre and to be there in person. And this live stream is for anyone who can't come physically to the theatre for whatever reason, whether that's a disability or an illness or just having a job that works the same hours we work or living remotely or being in a different state or like my family in the UK will be able to see me on stage for the first time. So, Amazing. Yeah, that's just incredibly important to me. Yeah, fantastic. So coming back then to the story that you've written here with Butterfly Kicks, it's a queer story. Could it also be mm. an allegory for a, a broader sense of inclusion? Yeah, and I think it's a story about how we treat each other and why we treat each other the way we do and sort of asking why can't we just be a bit kinder to anyone regardless of what their difference from us is, whether that is any part of your identity or any part of where you live or where you're from. Butterfly Kicks opens at Rumpus Theatre on the 18th of May 2021 and runs right through to the 30th of May 2021. Check out our show notes at thatentertainmentpodcast.com.au for links to the access guide and ticketing details. That Entertainment Podcast. Subscribe now on your favourite podcast service to hear more interviews about what's happening in Adelaide Entertainment as it happens. Head to our website for more content, thatentertainmentpodcast.com.au. A welcome change media production.